manifest your son through this exposition of your word. Sanctify us with your truth, for your word is truth. Grant us the grace to be all in. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for remaining. Uh, it is imperative that we commit ourselves to prayer, family. It is imperative that we commit ourselves to prayer. We can't be, we, we cannot get weary when it comes time to pray because prayer is necessity. You hear me? Preaching don't break yokes. You hear me? I believe God. I believe God. I, I'm, I'm a preacher. I love preaching. That's my life. Been doing it since I was born. And prayerfully, I'll do it till I die. But I understand that it is not preaching that moves heaven. But when the people of God pray, this is what, this is what God said uh, even to Israel. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, talk to me, and pray, seek my face. Yeah, yeah. We got to turn from our wicked ways too. Uh-huh. Then he hears from heaven. And now, here's the amazing thing. This is not the text, but when, when, when God says, I will hear from heaven, what he's literally saying is, I will begin to align your present situation with where it was supposed to be according to the will of God in heaven. When he says, I'll hear from heaven, I will, I, I will connect with heaven and I will determine where you're supposed to have been already. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I hear God saying, I'm about to hear from heaven on your behalf this year. I'm about to hear from heaven on your behalf this year. And they were supposed to be somewhere years ago. But I hear God saying, as you have prayed, as you have humbled yourself, as you have sought me, I'm about to hear from heaven. And everything in your life is about to line up with heaven's opinion of you. Oh, somebody missed what I just said. I said everything in your life is about to align with heaven's opinion of you. I know what hell is thinking about you. I know what the haters are thinking about you. But there is a heavenly thought concerning your life. And I hear God saying, I'm about to align heaven with earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is. In, anybody got a prayer in their spirit? I'm about to pray till I see heaven. I ain't got to die to see heaven. All I got to do is pray. Oh, somebody, did you hear that, doctor? I ain't got to die to see heaven. All I got to do is pray. And heaven will be manifested right here. The will of God will be manifested right here on earth. The reason why Jesus mesmerized people because he was such in alignment with the will of God in heaven. Everywhere he went, heaven manifested. When, when he came into the temple, even as an infant, oh man, the, the men and women of old said, now I can die because I have seen the will of God. I, heaven has been manifested right here before me. And so I declare that over your life today. Give me a few moments. We'll work through this together. First Peter. First Peter. Let's go to chapter 3. When you get to chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. First Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Everybody shout all in. 
I'm so excited about the prayer requests I've heard. I'm going to be praying about this stuff all week. Amen. I'm going to be moving boxes and driving a U-Haul, but I'm going to be praying at the same time because I'm believing God. I'm believing God. Man, especially those of you who said, I just want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, you're going you're gonna to start praying and not knowing what's coming out your mouth because there's going to be a tongue that's going to fall upon you. Those of you who said, I want to be worthy of the person that I'm with, I declare in the name of Jesus, God is going to manifest it according to your... I, I thank God because, see, I, I'm believing God that when you begin to expand your request of God beyond the tangible, God gets excited and he gives you the intangible and because he's such a God, he'll bring the tangible just as a... Thank you, God. And you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. And it is so in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reveling with reveling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that ye may obtain a blessing. For a few minutes, we want to talk on the subject, all in your call. All in your call. Uh, I feel that I I need to put this disclaimer out here for a minute. Uh, the season for being all in your feelings is over. Amen. I, uh, you know, because people come to church with different agendas and come with different thoughts and come from different minds. And, and even when you talk to people on, on whatever given day you're going to talk to them, they're all where they are. Amen. They're in their feelings. They're go- going according about what they feel and what they're, go- what they're going through. But I have to let you know something. That day is over with. Because if, the longer you stay in your feelings, the less time you have to be in God's will for your life. Let, let me just put this on the table and we're going, okay, let me, let me, you can't be in God's will and your feelings at the same time. So whenever you make a conscious decision to be in your feelings, you have made a conscious decision to go contrary to the will of God. Because your feelings will tell you to cuss the people that curse you. Your feelings will tell you to act like this. Your feelings will tell you to act like that. But the reality is, is that we weren't called to go according to our feelings. Prove it to me. Well, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. Oh, you got a different Bible than me? He did not feel like it. Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will be done. So we, gotta, we, we, we can't be all in our feelings, but we have to be all in God's call. When Peter begins to make this statement to the people of God, as I cut across the grain, uh, the reality is, is that there was great things that God wanted to manifest through the people of God. But there were hindrances to them manifesting what God wanted to manifest in their life. And the hindrances were their own ideology of themselves. What hinders you from becoming everything that God wants you to be, contrary to popular belief, is not the enemy. It's not your haters. It's not the people that abused you and did you wrong. It's not the people that made mistakes in your life. The only one that hinders you from becoming who God called you to be is you. 
Prove it to me. Well, ask yourself, when Jesus says that upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail against it, were you a part of the church? Are you a part of the church? You are a part of the church. And so here's the thing. When he made that statement then on the coast of Caesarea Philippi, it was continuous. It wasn't just for that moment. It meant always. The gates of hell will never be able to prevail against the church. And so if you are a part of the church, that is a provision, that is a security, that is a safeguard that is available for you. And so in reality, the enemy cannot prevail over you in your life. He can try. He can, he can fire all type of darts. He can do everything that he wants to do within his power to stop you. But ultimately, he understands that he is a defeated foe. But what can happen is we can get defeat in our mind. And we can think defeated. We can act defeated. This is why the enemy's greatest tactic is his tongue. This is why you got to be very careful who you let talk to you. This is why you got to be very careful of what tongues you let lit on you. Hallelujah, somebody. You okay? All right. Amen. Yes, yes. On the third Sunday of the year, watch the tongues that are in your life. Because some of them are really serpents. Some of them are, 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 are anointed by the enemy. To speak evil into your life. And so I, I, I have to listen very closely to every, I, I, I've had people in my life that, 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 would, that would speak into my life. It's not that bad. <laughs> Come on, we're my jungle book readers. Trust me. No, 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 no. I trust Jesus. I don't trust you. And if we, if we go even deeper, and, I, and I'll leave it be, uh, Jesus says, don't, even, don't, don't trust no man. If you won't trust anybody, you got to trust the God in them. Amen, amen, amen. So the issue is that I, I'm, I'm too steeped in my personal identity. I'm too steeped in where I am and what I'm going through and what my issues are to understand that there is a greater call upon my life that I need to acquiesce to in order to become who God created me to be. Jesus says in Matthew, many are called, but few are chosen. And the church has misconstrued that text to mean that there are echelons to anointing. That's not the truth. When you exegete that text according to its, its Roman or, or even Aramaic roots, the reality is Jesus is saying, I have called many people, but only a few answered. Let me help you. Everybody in this building is called. God doesn't just call preachers. He calls plumbers too. He calls lawyers, doctors, actors. And, and, and let me, let's just break this misnomer right here. Uh, uh, when you are a part of the kingdom, no job is secular. Because some of us, some of us have said, well, you know, I have, I, 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 I have a secular job. No, 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 no. You are the kingdom operating in that place. 
So when the kingdom goes to Hollywood, you, you, you don't have to douse down your kingdom to be accepted by Hollywood. No, you be excellent as the kingdom. See, let me, okay, all right, Keena, I'm going to leave it here. See, some of y'all folk not hating on you because you saved. They hating on you because you lazy. And you thought that their issue with you is your God. No, their issue with you is your business acumen. And so we have to make sure, I, I wish we could call Daniel here and ask Daniel to talk to us for a second. Daniel did not rest on his laurels and say, you know what, I'm saved and I'm sanctified and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I got a different standard. No, he said, I got a higher standard. And so don't give me any, any, any of the king's meat. Just give me some water and some vegetables and watch at the end of these 10 days, I'm going to be better than your dudes. The Bible said he, he wasn't chosen he, because, because he, he had the Holy Ghost. He was chosen because he had an excellent spirit. And you need to understand that you have to acquiesce to God's will for your life. And no matter where you are, God's kingdom can come right there. Because the kingdom of God coming is not about everybody else accepting you. It's about you claiming ground wherever you are. There are some of you in here that have been promoted and that have, that have been given grace in a place that has nothing to do with God. But because you established the kingdom of God right there in that place, wherever you were, that may have been contrary to the will of God, because you established God's kingdom right there, they had to acquiesce to your anointing. You know, they just say, you know, mm, there, there's just something about that young man. He has a way about him. He brings, he, brings, uh, this, uh, uh, he brings just such an aura into the place. That's the Holy Ghost. When we get to the text of focus, Peter is literally telling the people, listen, this is how we have to operate if we are going to become everything that God called us to be. Everybody in here is called. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you are called. You are called, and the goal of our life is to align ourselves with the call of God upon our life. Ask yourself, what did God put me on this earth to do? God, what am I called to do? Who am I called to be? Make it clear to me so that I know it, so that I can live in it, and so I stop wasting time in my life. You ever, you ever been with somebody so long that you forgot why you got with them? Okay. You ever run out of reasons of why you should stay in a place? If you run out of reasons to stay, chances are you weren't supposed to be in the first place. But we're going to leave that there. So now I can't to me. I can't, girl. Finally, all of you. Somebody say all of you. All of you. This is inclusive of everyone, exclusive of no one. I need us to understand this because many times in the church of God, we feel like some people have to abide by certain rules and some don't. No, we're all called, called to a higher standard. The only thing that's different between, between you and I is that I get a harsher judgment because I stand in leadership. But we both got to obey the same Bible. Ain't no preacher Bible. No, we all have to obey the same standards. The only thing is, and this is why Peter says all y'all might not want to teach, because I'm just, I just get more whoopings than you do. 
He says, all of you, here's what I need you to do. Have unity of mind. Have unity of mind. We'll go through this and I'm going to leave you alone. Have unity of mind. We have to start thinking the same way. We have to start thinking the same way. And here's the thing. Now, this is not to say that our minds have to work the same. This is to say that our, our thoughts have to be angled in the same direction. The reality is, is that you would want many people or at least a good handful of people to help you think about anything you want to do in your life. The Proverbs tell us through the multitude of counsel, plans are established. So you should not be the only person talking about what you're getting ready to do. Hallelujah, somebody. That's why many of us piss away the great things that God has for us because we think that we bold and we've grown and we got it all to ourselves. and all I need is me and Jesus. No, Jesus had 12 dudes, so how just you and Jesus? Talk to me for a minute. Jesus in his humanness said, I need at least 12 people to help me do what God the Father called me to do. So if you're not Jesus, you're striving to be like him and you want to be like him every day. We want to be like our big brother. We want to be like our big brother Jesus. So why do you think that you solo bolo and that's good? Just me, myself, and uh. No, the reality is you need people with you. You need people to align yourself with because here's the reality. When you live in a kingdom community, when you live in a proper faith community, God has been talking to somebody about you. Do y'all believe that or not? When Paul, he was still stalled at that time, when he got to Tarsus with blindness and was sitting in a room for three days and did not eat, did not drink, God was talking to Ananias on the other side of the town saying, I need you to go and pray for him. And God was talking to Paul at the same time saying, somebody named Ananias is going to come pray for you. Here's the question. How many of you in your pride have stopped God from using you to bless somebody and stopped God from allowing yourself to receive a blessing? We have to live in community. We have to have unity of mind. So that does not mean, it does not mean that we all have the same vantage point, but it means that we're all looking in the same direction. Our minds have to be aligned. I appreciate the fact that I have a team, especially my, my pastoral team and even our executive team, when we get around the table, yes, yes, we, we, sometimes we have varying views and sometimes we go around the table and sometimes we, we, we have heated discussions, Amen. But when we, come out of the, when we come out of the room, we don't have any ill will and any animosity. Why? Because we all know that we're there for the same reason. And you have to allow that to be your reality so that you don't get in your feelings when somebody says something that's contrary to what you want. Because sometimes God will allow, excuse me, your friend to wound you. Oh, you don't read the Bible then. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay, okay, okay. Why, why, why will my friend wound me? We, we wound each other to spur one another to a place of acknowledgement. We spar and we joust with one another for the sake of becoming who God created us to be. 
You see, the amazing thing is, is that if, if, if you were a boxer and, and if we, we, were, we were your team, uh, one of us, whoever, whoever's most skilled, one of us would have to get in the ring and fight you. What? What you mean? I spar with you to make you better. And I'm not going to take it easy on you. I'm going to push you. Because while I'm helping you to become better, a little part of me is maybe I could be the contender one day. Maybe I could be better. And so let me use them. And this is, this is what the proverb says also, uh, that iron... And you mad because they didn't struck you. Have you ever seen iron sharpen iron? Come on, where are my Game of Thrones watchers? You know, oh, everybody saved today. Amen. Okay. The clinking, the sparking, the friction. Do not think that friction in relationship is from the enemy. Separation is from the enemy. The enemy makes you get in your feelings and say, no, I don't need this. I'm better than this. I'm through. That's the enemy. That's your feelings. Because while you say, I don't need this, I'm better than this, then he's going to send somebody, you're right, you don't need that. You are better than that. I'm of the belief, and I'm going to leave this here, that everybody that's divorced shouldn't be divorced. I'm of the belief that there's about point. 3% of us in this room that left the one. Because we had some people in our life that didn't have a one. And they were so settled with their unoneness <laughs> that they had, they, 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 they had no reason to fortify you with the one in your friction. Okay. Sympathy. Everybody shout sympathy. sympathy. You need to be able to relate with one another. I love how God is moving in the, in the midst of our congregation to where he's aligning people, even, even as it relates to where you're sitting. Even as it relates to where you're standing, God is aligning people to have people that have sympathy for you. In other words, I feel what you feel. I've gone through what you've gone through. And this is why we cannot douse our testimony. This is why we cannot act like we've never gone through anything. I know what it's like to have that child out of wedlock. I know what it's like to have an addiction. I know what it's like to have to pack up the house that you thought was yours and go back to your parents' house. I know what it's like to get fired. I know what it's like to go through these things and if he brought me out stop talking to me if you don't know what I've gone through hallelujah somebody I believe God is good enough and our church is large enough to that he can raise up somebody in this house that have gone through what I've gone through and this is why we have to be very careful that we don't try to be <clears throat> That we don't try to be something God didn't call us to be to make ourselves feel more important. There have been several conversations that I just bowed out of. Oh, y'all ain't talking. I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Don't know nothing about that. But I do know somebody that does. 
while I've been able to minister to people that go through divorce, one of the things I do very well is I know how to find other people that have gone through. You. Oh, okay. Hey, Deke, talk to them. Y'all drank the same cup. Be very careful that you try to minister to somebody that you don't know their misery. Because when you try to minister to somebody that you don't know their misery, sometimes God will allow you to taste of the cup. So that you can become more equipped. I mean, since you didn't call for it. Y'all remember the sons of Zebedee? Come on, go. Let, let them sit on your right hand, Jesus, your left hand. Let them drink your cup. You don't want this cup. Moving. Moving. Uh, we have to have brotherly love, that, that, that phileo, that love that says, I care about you as a person. I care about you as a person, as a relative, as one who is with me. Here it is. Notice he doesn't say friendship, but he says brotherly love because all of us, uh, uh, at least the majority of us, have understood what it means to have siblings, have understood what it means to have someone who is a brother, a sister to you, and you stay in relationship with them, not because of how you feel about them, but because they were born to you. And in the church, we have, we have not embraced that love widespread. We still treat one another like acquaintances. Now, we call one another brother and sister, but that's just because we don't know each other's name. <laughs> hey, brother. Hey, sis. How you doing? Come on, sis. Bruh, bruh. What up, bruh? How you doing? But when he says have brotherly love, what he's literally saying, he says, get to the place to where you you remand yourself to stay in relationship with them no matter how you feel about them. That's my brother, what I'm going to do, you know. That's, that's my old crazy sister. Where you at? Gosh. All right, here I come. And you fuss at them all the way home, right? But that's your family. And so you feel an intrinsic necessity to be there for them. But when we don't have that brotherly love, we will not be tethered to one another. And that's when we will miss opportunities to be there for one another. You got to have a tender heart. Stop being so hard and mean. <clears throat> Do you hear what I'm saying to you? We, we have to have tender hearts. We have to have tender hearts. There are some things that you don't have to fuss at them about. Help me, Holy Ghost. Some things will work themselves out. Just let the Lord be God. What you need to have is a tender heart. Because here's something I've learned about tenderheartedness. When we have tender hearts toward one another, it puts us in a position to receive less discipline when we make the mistake. Our hearts are softer toward one another's, so they're more prone to discipline. Then he goes on to say, you got to have a humble mind. Be careful of what you think about you. Be careful of what you think about you. Be very careful that you are sober-minded. Be very careful that you have a humble understanding of who you are. And when we say humble understanding of who you are or humble mind, that means that you have a mind, watch this, that prefers others before yourself. I know who I am. I know that when I get in here, I'm going to crush it. 
I'm going to kill it. It's going to be, it's, I, I, know, I know I got it. I know it's going to happen. But you go ahead first. You go first. You go first. You, 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 you got it. You got it. And when you do it, I rejoice for you. And when I go in, I know you're going to rejoice for me. But when we do not have a humble mind, we begin to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Come on, bring the scripture in here. And when we do that, we elevate ourselves to a place. Here it is. Our hubris, our idol of us, our pride will always elevate us to a place our character has not reached yet. Very rarely is your pride and your character aligned. And this is why we got to be very careful when people start giving us commendation. When people start giving us praise. To God be the glory should not just be a phrase. You literally need to give God that glory. Because I've heard a lot of people say it, but then be like, to God be the glory. Yoink. Make sure that you give all glory to God. Because when you give the glory to God, you understand that it wasn't me that did that. He used me. I'm the vessel, and I thank God for being used, but it was God. He deserves the glory. He deserves the honor. I have a humble mind because I recognize that I'm just the vessel. I got to prepare myself. I got to keep myself holy and righteous and clean. I got to walk right, but I am just the vessel. Here we go. Do not repay evil for evil. What did this got to do with my call, though? Be very careful that in this season of your life that you stop trying to get revenge. I promise we're going to get... By Pentecost Sunday, we're going to be shouting, I promise. But we have to deal with this reality. Many of us have missed the very thing that God has called us to do because we were trying to get even. We miss God's will for our life because we were still engaged in a jousting match with other people. Yes, they're evil. We've established that. They're evil people, absolutely. But you can't get evil with them. Because when you respond to someone else's evil with evil, you have now become evil. And whenever you become evil, whenever you act evil, listen to me, believers, you have told the Holy Ghost, I got this. You have told the Holy Ghost, I prefer Satan. You You have literally told God, thank you for all of your goodness and all your grace, but I prefer to be evil. And contrary to popular belief, evil is not good. You have to make sure that you are fighting every tenet in you that is causing you to repay evil for evil. When he goes on to say reveling for reveling, he literally means hostility. Stop being so hostile and abusive to people. But they're hostile and abusive to me. That's because they don't know who they've been called to be. Here it is. Anybody who really walks into their calling, they don't have time to be evil or abusive. Okay, I'm wrestling with this. I'm processing this. This In my theology, I'm processing through this. 
I challenge the genuine call of any spiritual leader that finds it in themselves to abuse the people that they lead. I have to challenge the call. Because if we were genuinely called, there are certain things that God is going to dismantle in us if we choose to answer the call. Something I, find, I found about my pastoral leadership, the longer I pastor, the, 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 more, watch this, the more accepting and some, in certain parts docile I become. And at first I had to ask myself, am I getting soft? Like, no, I'm adopting the heart of God. And the more you adopt the heart of God, watch this, you become so much more patient with people. Because you ascend to the reality to understand that, oh, they're just learning. They don't know who they are yet. They're processing through. They're becoming. And here's, here's, the, here's the reality. I have, watch this, I have less problem now with telling folk about theyself. Oh, this morning, this morning we were doing certain things and I said, okay, uh, let's do this, guys. And everybody's, okay, yeah, no problem. But sometimes you don't say what you need to say. Here it is. Because it's steeped in your attitude and your emotion. And so you challenge what you're going to say. You challenge that word of correction because you know part of it is going to be attached to your emotion and your attitude about the person. And so you, instead of you saying something, you keep your mouth closed and they, everybody missed their call because you're still in self. This is going to make sense on Thursday. <clears throat> but on the contrary, bless, bless, bless. He says, I don't want you to be abusive. I don't want you to be evil, but on the contrary, I want you to bless. What is he saying? He says, I want you to live your life as a blessing. Every day you wake up, you need to ask yourself, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? How can I bless somebody else? How can I do something for somebody else? In this culture, in this day and age where we're constantly asking ourselves, what am I going to receive? What am I going to get? Ask yourself, how can I be a blessing to somebody else? You ready? We're out of here. Here it is. Here it is. And we're concluding. For this, you were called. Everybody say, I was called. I was called. That you may obtain a blessing. All right, I'm going to challenge this because I know some of you thought I was going to give you a, a, a spiritual gifting test and, and tell you were called to do X, Y, Z. No, I'm believing the Holy Spirit is going to reveal to you or he has already revealed to you exactly what you've been called to do. And all, all that I need you to do is understand and have a great, rea great reality of why you were called. You ever heard in a church your gift will make room for you? Here's, here, here's where, especially in the African-American church, here's what we got wrong. We thought that our gift was supposed to feed us. And so we put a price tag on everything we do. I can say this boldly because, watch this, for years, I did what I'm doing now without compensation. And the years that I've been compensated to a certain pay scale, undercompensated according to my degree, 
but not in a way that's complaining because at, at even where I stand right now, I've never missed anything. Because I understood along the way, I didn't understand this at first, along the way, I didn't understand this at first, my call was never meant to feed me. My call was meant to feed you. Oh, okay, set free. Whatever God called you to do, he called you to do it for somebody else's stake. Your call was not for you to eat off your call. Here it is. If you're living off what you earn, but doing what you've been called to do, you're living beneath your means. Because here, when you read this text in its original language, that blessing there, the word is inheritance. Here it is. We get to the Greek. It's inheritance. And an inheritance, the last time I checked, is nothing you earn. An inheritance is what you receive because of who you are. You got to understand that your calling signifies that you are a part of a family that signifies that at the appointed time when you have matured to the place that your father desired, there is an inheritance that's going to be handed to you. All you got to do is be who God called you to be. And as you eat off my call, my daddy says, I have found you faithful. Now you can get what you have inherited. This is why we don't do a $100 line every Sunday when I prophesy for people. Because I've understood that my prophecy can't be paid for. Because it doesn't belong to me. Here it is. If I take money for what I prophesied to you, I'm no longer a prophet. I'm now a psychic. Because I'm trying to eat off my call. Elijah prophesied. The people heard it and said, let me give him a house. Not because he prophesied, but because their hearts were pricked. He didn't ask for a house. Your call is for the people that you've been called to. And so spend less time worrying yourself about your call and spend more time concerning yourself about who you were called to. I told Deacon Mike, I told Deacon Mike, I said, listen, this is, in this season of my life, I don't need nobody around me to say, oh, well, he could have went there and he could have went here and he could have did this and could have earned that. Guess what? That wasn't my call. And probably wherever that was, I probably would have messed it up. Probably would have lost it because it's not what God called me to do. But as I, watch this, as I stand here and survey the 15 years that God has had me here and called me to this place, every other pastor, when I, when I survey my life, I'm not missing anything that they have. Nothing. Not missing anything. As we conclude this day. Hear me. This is what the, I hear the Lord saying clearly. He said, you were, this is why you were called to obtain an inheritance, a blessing. And this blessing is not coming from wage. Listen to me. 
Wage and inheritance are two different things. I don't make enough to afford to live in the type of house that I'm getting ready to live in. But I'm living there not according to my wage. I'm living there according to my inheritance. Don't, don't, don't clap. You got you to gotta, you gotta shout here because you're going to try to figure out why they approved you to live where you about to live. And you're going to try to figure out why you got in to where you got to. I got to tell somebody, it ain't got nothing to do with, with what you can afford. It has everything to do with how you live out your call. My God. As I understand my call, it's about living in my inheritance. Because if I embrace the responsibility of my call, I will be blessed with the inheritance of the caller. Because he who called you is faithful. Man, is, is anybody getting this preaching? I, I hope I ain't lost nobody. Listen, listen. You've been called to do something amazing. But you got to know that your calling is not for you to eat off of. Your calling is for you to feed people. Your calling is for you to minister to people. Whatever your calling is. Your calling is for the people that God has called you to. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Ah, this is, notice what Jesus says. He, said, he, says, he says, give no thought to what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink. I got that. I got that. I got all of that. And some of us, oh, can I be honest? Some of us have, have missed our place of prosperity not because God wasn't able, but because we weren't in position. I'm closing. Or I have closed. I have closed. Favor is a matter of position. Not a matter of practice. You can't do enough to receive God's favor. But if you put yourself in the right place, you will be in the stream of God's favor. The moment I stopped putting a price tag on my ministry was the moment God started doing stuff that I didn't even believe could be done. I've gone to places where people gave me a $25 check for preaching. Then I'm going to places, and they gave me several thousand to do the same thing. So it's not about you and how much you can receive. It's about you and how much you can give. He'll balance the scales. I promise he will. As you go into this week, stop trying to count up how much you can gain. When you start counting up how much you can give, you will see God open up your life and you, will see your, and you will see your life. You will be living in a place that your budget does not comprehend. Oh, okay, okay. Amen, amen. We close the stand. Let's just grab somebody. Let's pray together because now this, this is where it's about to get very real. 
I don't believe in classism. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. But here's what I do know is getting ready to happen as we pray. You're about to see a sharp contrast among this congregation. <clears throat> People are about to start embracing their call. Folk that you thought couldn't get pregnant, go get pregnant. Folk that's been living with other folk will start living with themselves and open up that door for other people to live. And y'all going to think it's contrived. Oh, no, this, this, this is a game. No, no, no. It's literally the power of God as we yield to his call upon our life, as we walk in his will, he takes care of his people. And watch this. The, Paul, the, the Bible says that when you enlist into the army, you take no thought of what you will eat or what you will drink because the one who enlisted you is going to take care of your broom and board. The house I'm living in ain't, ain't, ain't my house. It's the Lord's house. The cars I drive, they ain't my cars. They're the Lord's call. The, the knowledge I have is not my knowledge. It is the knowledge of God. All the things you're going to be able to do, it's not yours. It belongs to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would grant us all needful grace that we will yield to our call that we will be everything you've called us to be. And as we acquiesce to the call of God upon our life, we will inherit the blessing. So as we begin to live out our call, as we begin to see your divine blessedness upon our life, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that it will matter that we have lived. It will matter that we are here. And so align us, Father God. As you anoint us, align us. As you anoint us, align us to our divine call. And it is so. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go all together. But I want to make sure everybody is saved. Check, check with your neighbor. Check with your neighbor quickly. Check with your neighbor.